20. But before we read it, we'll pray together and ask for the Lord's blessing over the reading and preaching of his word. Gracious and almighty God, we thank and we praise you that we may have your word open before us. And we ask, Lord, that you will bless our reading of this word, guide us by your spirit, that we may understand what we are reading. We pray for minister as he preaches this word as well, that it may be clear, the gospel may be proclaimed, that your people may be built up. We ask this, O Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So we read John 20, verses 19 to 31, the text of the preaching this this morning. Still, the church recently celebrated the resurrection of our Lord and is in the period of also anticipating the ascension of our Lord and Pentecost. We take this time to to see what our Lord Jesus uh, was revealed in that time to his disciples. John 20 Verse 19, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger, your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, foundations are important on a building. Every building has a foundation and the children, maybe after your mommy and daddy can show you that on the bottom of a house, you could see the gray part and that's what the whole house is resting on. It's called a, a foundation. If the foundation is a little crooked, then the whole house will be crooked. I used to do a little bit of drywall. I know how frustrating that is when the whole building is a little crooked. If the foundation is cracked, then the house will sag at that point. Or if a part of the foundation is missing, then the builder will know you can't put any weight on that part where there is a part of the foundation missing. Foundations are important on a building. Foundations are also important for the church. 
not the church building, but the church as the, the members, the people who are in it. You see that when the Lord Jesus ends his sermon on the plain in Luke 6, and, and he talks about the importance of the, the foundation, otherwise a house will, will fall. So what do we mean when we say it's good to build your life on a firm foundation? Well, that means we need to base our, our faith, our work, our family life on something that will last, on correct ideas, on useful understanding, on truth that, that actually helps us in this world, perspectives that express what is in our heart, the love that is in our hearts. We want our whole relationship to God, we want our whole covenant life to be based on the truth. Foundations are important. The text for the message this morning reveals that our Lord Jesus Christ established the foundation of the New Testament church by appointing the apostles. And it's actually the background to some other beautiful texts we read in the New Testament. You can open your Bible at the very end in Revelation 21, verse 14. This is again the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here in this, this verse, he reveals that that new Jerusalem, that everlasting church, the, the new Jerusalem descending down to earth, it has as its foundation the apostles. That's connected to our text today. Ephesians 2 verse 20. Paul says that God's household is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And so in response, the church confesses in the Nicene Creed, very old confession of the church, we say that we believe one Catholic and apostolic church. And as we look at our text, and as we look at the details of our text, we, we can see why we say that the church is apostolic. We need to pay also a special attention then to, to the love of Christ Jesus toward each one of us as he talks to the apostles in our text. The Lord Jesus did not leave us rudderless without a rudder in this ever-changing world. He did not want us as a church to, to begin to be governed by the culture, the world in which we live, so that we get all confused about what the church should look like. But he established a foundation. He gave us a base, the apostles. And as he worked with them, he was preparing and strengthening the foundation of your church, of our church. He was thinking of you when he was speaking to the apostles. We can already see that in his prayer in John 17. We need what they received. And so the Lord Jesus put you on this foundation. I preached to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under that theme. Christ builds his church on the foundation of the apostles. We'll see three things that our risen Lord prepared the foundation. In the second place, that our risen Lord strengthened the foundation. And in the third place, our risen Lord put you on top of the foundation. It's a little bit, the wording isn't so good, but now you'll remember it. He put you on top 
of the foundation. We see from John 20 that immediately after his resurrection, the Lord Jesus was thinking about his disciples. He tells Mary, what does he say to Mary? He says, immediately, go tell the disciples that I'm risen from the dead. And then shortly after that, he, he appears to them himself. When we read John 17, and we just read that together, we see that it was the Lord Jesus' desire that the revelation of his victory over death should follow a certain order. A person prays for what he desires. And it's striking to see the parallels between John 17 and John 20. If you flip back or flip back and forth, you can see that in, in John 17, verses 1 to 5, 1 to 5, the Lord Jesus prays that he might be glorified now that his work on earth is completed. In John 20, verses 1 to 9, his desire was fulfilled. In John 17, verses 6 to 19, the Lord Jesus prays that God will protect the disciples when he is no longer in the world because, said the Lord Jesus, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And then when we look at John 20, we can see that happening. John 20, verses 10 to 28, the Lord Jesus fulfills this desire by equipping his disciples, by sending them out, just like he prayed. In John 17, verses 20 to 26, the end part of John 17, his prayer, you see that the Lord Jesus prays for, for all believers, those who believe because of the message. And then in John 17, verses 29 to 30, sorry, John 20, verses 29 to 31, he blesses those who believe through that which is written, even though they do not see him. And so we see in John 17, the Lord Jesus is praying that God may build his church up on the, on the foundation of the apostles. In John 20, we see him carrying that out. But then when the Lord Jesus looked to the foundation, the apostles, what did, what did he see? What did he see when he looked at the apostles. Well, he sees some men who had heard some news from the women about the resurrection of Jesus, but they weren't really sure. They weren't really sure yet what, what to think of about it. He sees some men that were afraid. They were afraid of the Jews. They were afraid what the Jews might do to them just for knowing the Lord Jesus. How much more if they had to go out and preach about him boldly? They were scared to leave the room. They locked it all up. How much more if they had to go out into the world? What kind of foundation is this? What kind of leadership could these men provide? Look at the foundation that the Lord Jesus was looking at. Look at their, their weakness. It does not appear to be very, a very trustworthy start to the church that must actively preach the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. But we know, don't we, that the Lord Jesus uses the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He grabs the, the weak things in the world and he equips them so that it is 
the Lord Jesus working through the weak to, to come to his, his purpose, his goal. It's something to remember. We heard today is the last day for submitting names, nomination for office bearers. The Lord Jesus, we know, needs to equip the men. That means we won't be able to find perfect men to serve in the office, but we are able to find humble men, men who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who love the Lord, who are willing to be instruments in his hands. It's a way of confessing that we believe that the office gets its authority and power from the Lord. We look for humble and willing men. But we read about the appointment of the disciples in verses 19 to 23 of our text. That's like the installation meeting when the men changed from disciples to, to apostles. Disciples are like students. Apostles are those who are sent out. And as the disciples look upon the glorified body of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we can imagine a little bit of what it was like, they looked upon one who was able to, to just stand among them, pass through the locked doors, and yet he could show them physical marks of his suffering. They saw this, they were overjoyed, overjoyed. Now look and see how it is that the Lord Jesus prepares these weak men for their task. The first thing he says, and he says it two times, is he says, peace be with you. What do these words mean? The Lord Jesus says it right when he comes. So some people say it's like a greeting. Sort of like saying good, good day to you all. Or perhaps a little prayer. May God grant you, you peace. But then the Lord Jesus spoke it again in the middle of the conversation. And he connected it to, to sending them out. And then we re remember that the Lord Jesus spoke these words shortly after his, his resurrection. Actually, on the day of his resurrection, he bore the anger of God on the cross. He conquered death in his resurrection. Then he comes to the, the man, the foundation of the church, and he says, peace be with you. You see, that's a lot more than just a simple greeting. It's a declaration. It's an authoritative statement. It's a short sermon. Peace be with you, the risen Lord says to his disciples there. They have peace with God. God, the Lord Jesus Christ, put them in a new position with respect to God. They don't have to fear God's anger. They're friends with God. God is on their side. That will give them courage. You see that? He's sending them out and he says, peace be with you. You have peace with God Almighty. That gives a man courage. They don't have to sit there in that room all locked up. They don't have to fear death. They have peace with God Almighty. Go, he says, go. You can leave this room. Preach. I'm sending you. And then he gives them more. He breathes on them. He grants them his, the Holy Spirit. No, he breathes on them. What does, that, what does that mean? You can't be sure how it is that the Lord Jesus breathed on them. There's no indication in, in the original Greek. It just says he breathes on them. Was it a long and, and pronounced breath, like 
Perhaps a lot of you are thinking that some of the, the C.S. Lewis books, when, when, when there's a, a long breath to give strength to some weak character in the book, we don't know. We shouldn't go into imagining all those things. The text does not reveal it. But what is clear is that the Spirit comes through Jesus Christ and that the Spirit will be able to, to help them. Now, if you look to John 14, verses 25 to 28, you can see that in that part already, the Lord Jesus promises to give the apostles the Holy Spirit to help them remember everything that Jesus taught them while he was still on the earth with them. And then you can also see in John 14, verses 25 to 28, that the, the Holy Spirit would be a comfort to them and he would protect them with, with peace so they would not need to be afraid. And so God is, the Lord Jesus breathes on them. He declares that they have peace with God. He, he gives them the Holy Spirit to help them remember everything that he taught and he gives them authority, power, peace, the Holy Spirit and power to judge the situation of every man that they meet, whether he is forgiven or not. They are representatives of the Lord Jesus. They can declare a man forgiven or not, depending on what they see. It's, it's the key of the kingdom of heaven. We call it today church discipline. It comes from Matthew 16, verse 19. We already read the promise. They will be able to judge who is capable of standing and resting on their foundation and who is not. The Lord Jesus prepares the foundation by giving them peace, by declaring peace, giving them courage, by breathing upon them the Holy Spirit so that they, they remember the words, that they may go out with, with authority, authority to even declare the forgiveness of sins or not in Christ's name. But there's a problem. There's a problem. The Lord Jesus prayed in John 17 that they may be one, that they, all the disciples may be one. And in this first meeting, one of them was missing. There's a brick missing in the foundation. So the Lord Jesus also strengthened the foundation. You can see that the gospel writer writes in, in verse 24 of our text. He says that Thomas, who was one of the 12, was not with him. He's highlighting that the, there's a missing brick in this foundation because the 12 refers to the disciples and it shows that they were already known to be a specific group. The foundation that the Lord Jesus had established when he chose them and, and now sent them out. You can see the same importance on, on having the 12 together in Acts 1 verse 12 when they chose Matthias to replace Judas the one doomed to destruction. The Lord Jesus even prays, Lord, I didn't lose any except for Judas who was doomed to destruction. It's, it's the foundation. It's, they need to be together. So it was a serious thing that Thomas missed this, this gathering, that he wasn't there. It could have serious consequences for the future of the church. He couldn't be missing. John reveals the second meeting so that we know how much our Lord Jesus loves us, us today. How much he was thinking about us when he was setting the foundation after his resurrection. 
There couldn't be a, one, one weakness in that foundation that he established. Thomas had to be there too. He's called Didymus, which means the twin. He's not well-known disciple of disciples of our Lord Jesus, so I don't know where the other twin was. His words are only recorded a few times in the Gospels, and when we look at the, what we see of Thomas, we can see that he actually wasn't one of the scared disciples. In John 11, verse 16, he showed that he wasn't afraid to, to die with the Lord Jesus. He said, let's go there and die with him. Let's go. John 14, verse 5, when the Lord Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, in verse 6, and then Thomas says, well, where are we going, Lord? I'm going too. You just have to show me the way. He appears to be a, an adventurer, a courageous disciple. But he had other problems. He wasn't afraid of the Jews, but he had other problems. We see it in verses 24 and 25. He was struggling with the hindrance of, of unbelief. He wanted visible, empirical evidence, proof before he would commit. He would give it his all, but he wanted to be sure. He wanted to see it. He wanted to touch the Lord Jesus. And now look here. Look what, look what happened. The apostles who had just been appointed to go out, they were trying to convince him. And he, and he didn't. He wasn't convinced. Not even the words of the apostles who were recently installed and ordained could convince him. It's kind of a, a rough start for the witnesses that the Lord Jesus just sent out. They couldn't even convince one of their, one of their own. And since we also need to believe the apostles' words without seeing, we see how important it is that for Jesus to strengthen that foundation by, by restoring the missing brick in its place. When Jesus appeared a second time to the disciples, it was again on the first day of the week. We see the pattern being established. They got together on, on the resurrection day of our Lord Jesus Christ to celebrate their new peace with God and so the Lord Jesus, once again, entering their meeting, he enters saying, peace be with you. And then he tells Thomas in verse 27, and you, can, you can see that, put your finger here. Very physical, very visible proof of his resurrection. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. What, what a shock that would have been for Thomas Jesus had heard the words that he had spoken in response to his apostles, even though Thomas had not yet seen Jesus. The Lord Jesus knew very well where Thomas was and what Thomas was thinking and what Thomas was saying because he was accompanying the apostles as, as they went out. And how full of shame Thomas must have felt. So he looks at his Savior and he says, My Lord, and my God. The courageous disciple believed, my Lord and my God. There could be no doubt. And when he says these words, he's probably referring to the title in the Old Testament for God, Yahweh, God. My faithful covenant Father standing in the flesh. My Lord who has overcome death and brought us new life 
One more brick was in place. The foundation was firm and strong. The church today, brothers and sisters, is an apostolic church. It is based on the confession of the apostles that Jesus Christ is the Lord, is our Lord and our God. So right at the beginning of their ministry, the Lord Jesus, he prepared all the apostles who were ready with a visible assurance of his resurrection and sincere faith in their hearts that he is Lord and God. Thomas had to be one of them. There could be no doubters in the foundation, no cracks, no chips. It could be one weakness in the foundation could be disastrous for the church, but our Lord Jesus prepared everything. He prepared everything because he loves you. He wanted to put you on top of a firm foundation. Because we need what those apostles received. And the gospel message is that our Lord Jesus Christ, in gathering his church, he he put you on the foundation that he himself had established. It was something he was praying for to his father. It was something that he could effectively get because he is Lord and God. And so our goal in church is is to respond to this declaration, this proclamation with, with joy and with faith and with love. Our goal is to apply the strength of the foundation that Jesus Christ established, to apply that strength to every part of the building, to every brick in the building. It's interesting that Paul uses this imagery as well to speak about the work of church building and church mission. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 to 15, he talks about different ways of building up on that foundation. You could build with wood, wood, hay, and straw, but it will burn on the day of judgment. So we need to build with gold and and silver and costly stones. We need to build on that foundation with fireproof material. If it's like the foundation, then it will last. So what what are the consequences of being a church that is based and built up on the foundation of the apostles? What does it look like? How is that visible in your lives, in our lives? Now we cannot see the Lord Jesus. Yet we can share fully in all that he established for us. We need what he gave to them. We need to remain faithful in what they received. The peace that the apostles received is also given to us. We can see that already. When the Apostle Paul is writing to the churches in different places, every time he begins, grace and peace to you in our Lord Jesus Christ. Every time we gather in worship to hear his voice in the preaching on the first day of the week, the resurrection day, we can hear that same declaration, peace be with you. It's a declaration, it's a blessing. Something that our Lord Jesus bought for us with his own blood. 
And although we may use a, a different wording taken from a different part of Scripture, from one of the, the letters that Paul wrote, our Lord's message is the same. And we do well to meditate it on it. Uh, meditate on it every Sunday, every time we hear it, every time we are gathered. It's the Lord Jesus himself who died on the cross, who, who rose, who is in heaven, who's saying, peace be with you. We share in the blessing of what he gave to the foundation. That also means you can have courage. You do not need to be afraid. God is on our side in Jesus Christ. You can have courage. We don't have to stay locked up in this place. We can go out. We have peace with God. The Lord Jesus breathed on his apostles. He gave them his Holy Spirit so that they could remember everything that he taught them. They could write it down in, in the Holy Scriptures. So Christ then is, is building his church on the declaration of his holy name in the Scriptures. And so we can say that the strength of the foundation is evident it's visible in the church when the church is faithfully proclaiming the truth of scriptures. The foundation is evident when we have faithful preaching in the world, confessing the same faith when, when believers are saying, my Lord and my God. When they say also what we see at the end of, of, the, of the chapter these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That's what we, we see in the church is evidence of the strength of the foundation in the church. Peace and courage. The scriptures in our hands, the, the confession coming out of our mouths that Jesus is the Son of God. And a church that values these things and understands that there is no truth outside of the peace we have with God, that there is no truth outside of the, tr the truth of scriptures. Yes, a church that tells people where they are. Jesus gave the apostles the, the authority to declare that someone's sins were forgiven or not. It's called church discipline. When we are building our church up on the foundation that our Lord Jesus established, we continue to, to tell people where they're at. You know what, if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you cannot say that he is my Lord and my God, well, well then there, are, there is no forgiveness of sins. There, there is no peace. And the church needs to say that. That's something that, that comes as a result of being built on the foundation of the apostles. It's not just the leaders that need to be willing, joyful, loving instruments of our Lord Jesus Christ. But the whole building, the whole church, the whole church that is confessing and proclaiming their love for God, we, we all must be willing instruments of our Lord Jesus Christ. We all must be living stones transformed by the Holy Spirit. That's why the church that is faithful declares it, tells people where they are. You are forgiven in Christ. You have rejected Christ. There is no forgiveness. Then we know that's a, a mark of being an apostolic church. You see, when our Lord Jesus placed you on that foundation, he, he prayed, he prayed for you. 
Our Lord Jesus, the great high priest, is standing before the Father and he's praying for you, those he put on the foundation, those who believed in me because of the preaching of the word. You see, the love of our Lord Jesus Christ for you. It's a revelation that that comes already on the day of his resurrection. He already was thinking of you. And then he gives you a special blessing. We read that in verse 29. Because you have seen me, he says to Thomas, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Brothers and sisters, look at what you have. Look at what we have. We have the scriptures. We have the Holy Spirit. We have peace. We have courage. We have the declaration of our Lord Jesus Christ who accompanies us. And then he gives us more blessing. Blessed are those Assurance of faith comes as a special gift that God gives certainty to us in all the trials of life. Peter says it very nicely. I think it was on the, on the screen before as you were gathering together. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible And glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Everyone who hears the word, who responds with that declaration that Thomas already said, the declaration, my Lord and my God, can also receive the words of our Lord Jesus, peace be with you. There is forgiveness of sins for those who repent. There is transformation of life and the power of the Spirit. And then you, the Lord Jesus, at the very end of John 20, by believing, you may have life in his name. Life in his name. Now think about this. When you have a risen Lord, the Son of God died on a cross, he rose from the dead. Our risen Lord, in his glorified body is promising life as he's on his way to eternal glory with the Father, well, you know that it's going to be very good. You know that it's going to be wonderful. You may have life in his name, says our risen Lord, who conquered death, who's going to be eternally with his Father in heaven. Life in his name. And so once again, we return to Revelation 21 and that new Jerusalem coming down, the church, the foundation, the apostles. Who's on top of that foundation? Who's part of that new Jerusalem? All who believe in Jesus Christ. All who, hearing the message, live each moment courageously in the peace that we have in Jesus Christ all who embrace their Savior, Jesus Christ. He put you on top of the foundation. Amen.